Welcome to the Jesus 360 podcast, a devotional guide to the names and descriptions of Jesus given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. Brother Daniel and myself, Blair Phillips, will be co-hosting today's discussion on Jesus, the one who will kill the children of Jezebel unless she repents. And so we are in Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. I'm going to read that verse. It says, I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I'll give to each one according to your works. And so, uh, this is another level of the disciplinary measures that Jesus is willing to go with his church, and specifically even his leaders, who are in sin and unrepentant. That he is willing to even kill their children. And if if we even thought this was figurative, he was very specific that it would he was with death, um, and to cause them to repent and to lead the church to the place of repentance, both the individual and the church. And so this children could be the, the literal children of this woman Jezebel, or it could even be those who have received the, the doctrine that is being taught and the ways and the practices. Now, Jesus, with great zeal, is willing to go to this measure for the sake of righteousness and holiness, both in the person of the individual, but also in the church himself. This is very weighty, and this is real, but yet we believe that there's true beauty in the man Christ Jesus because of this. And so, Brother Daniel, help us understand and digest this description of Jesus. Well, I can only imagine what is going through the heart and mind of our audience when we hear that Jesus is appearing to us and revealing himself as the one who kills the children. I think at this point of time, we are mostly already stuck. Jesus appeared as the one who killed children. We're breaking a lot of norms. Well, uh, in a typical devotion with Jesus, <laughs> you will probably not find a content of this nature. And or it will be edited. It will not be one of those topic of choice because it will be viewed as not so edifying. You know, how can you read a book? that talks about Jesus coming to kill children of Zezebel. Well, because this is a devotion of Jesus in the book of Revelation, I'm assuming that our audience are kind of ready for a ride. Our audience is ready for the truth. Our audience are ready for whatever the Lord is revealing to us. Because if we find that Jesus targeting the children of Zezebel as an act of mercy to be something indigestible, then Revelation chapter 6 all the way to 22 with the opening of the seven seals and then the seven trumpets and then the seven bowls and the amount of uh, judgment and the corresponding collateral beauty and the, the damages, including the loss of human life, both in terms of redemption and judgment, the death of the martyr in the fifth seal, which are the death of the righteous, which is which is all going to heaven, as well as, you know, the persecution of the saints, as well as the judgment of the wicked. The amount of uh, people that will be killed uh, far surpass this very targeted reality that's talked about here. So we must be able to come to this Jesus and get to know this Jesus. Why? He is killing Zezebel's children. Now, in order to do that, no, it's not easy to read the short devotional and digest this, honestly. 
I'm going to give you some historical context in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 24. Uh, Jehu was the person who was instrumental uh, in the hand of the Lord to judge Jezebel. And he also killed King Joram, the son of Jezebel. Now, uh, historically, Joram tore down some altars of false god during his time, but he did not repent from doing evil. And finally, he was pierced by Jehu's arrow. So, in other words, you could say that uh, God has done this before, killing the literal Zezebel son, King Joram. And he used Jehu as the instrument to do that because of the sin that Zezebel and Joram has committed. He's putting a stop to this wickedness. Sometimes when we listen to God, um, either putting someone to sickbed, it's more like a restraint when he's killing and putting death. He's putting a stop to it. If we allow evil to persist, well, only, only God can balance the judgment. We cannot put a vengeance into our own hands and go around and execute justice in our own hands. I don't believe we should do that. Vengeance is mine. God say, I will repay. Our job is to forgive. Well, that's obviously uh, in the context of battle and military service and warfare. It's a whole different story. I don't have comments on that. I am not an expert in that field, but I have some thoughts in that. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that, you know, as a, a believer in Christ in a normal day-to-day -day life, we do not take vengeance in our own hand. In fact, the Lord uh, told us very clearly that vengeance is mine. I shall repay. Our job is to live out Christ in a way of forbearance, long-suffering. At the same time, uh, willing to speak the truth in love and, and willing to pray for God's justice and allow Him to be the one that shows us how justice executed. And part of the demonstration of justice is to stop evil. And stopping some of the way to stop evil actually is to restrain them. And God has different ways to restrain them. We study the way of sickness and other things and tribulation. You know, uh, tribulation means adversarial forces against the wickedness to slow them down. But then death is simply a way God remove that wickedness. Remove, put a stop to it, say no more. I'm not allowing this in the land anymore. I'm not allowing this to happen anymore. So, uh, children is an offspring that's produced by a, uh, a relationship between uh, a father and mother. So, in a literal sense, uh, the children of Zezebel was a product of adultery between Zezebel and someone else. A man and Zezebel had an adulterous relationship and then have those kids. Now, maybe Zezebel has a real husband, but still is, there is a relationship that produced a children. In the case of Joram, it was a child of King he, uh, the king and Zezebel that produced Joram. So in a, in a physical sense, the child Jezebel was a, uh, lean, from a lineage of Zezebel and probably inherited the value and, of the parents. Well, if we spiritualize these things, which I tend not to, but let's say we, we spiritualize this uh, whole aspect, then the offspring of Jezebel is basically the fruits of Jezebelic teaching and, and Jezebelic practices produce a, a disciple system within the church of people that need to be stopped mm -hmm. because they continue to corrupt the church permanently. And uh, the Lord is warning us that he's not uh, hesitant to put a stop to that. Well, so two things stick out to me, uh, Brother Daniel. One is that this is the same severity of God towards sin that we see in the Old Testament, in the law. 
of of actual death for the as the result of sin. But we are given here uh, a couple of other steps that happened before that in seeing the long suffering of God towards a person. But we see that God's willing to do that if there's not full repentance. And I think we see the full repentance component in the Jerum uh, in that even though he tore down some altars, he did not fully repent. And because he did not fully repent, he was still received the same judgment. Well, I think in real situation, obviously his depravity is much deeper than what we can discern just by the little sentences we have about Joram. God is just, he, there's, and he gives time for sinners to repent. Obviously, more time would have helped Joram. And maybe the, the judgment was, uh, I, I cannot discern from the brief mention of Joram whether he did. Like Manasseh, God gave Manasseh a lot of time. He reigned for I believe over five decades, and he was one of the most wicked king of Israel. But the last part of his life, the Bible says he turned back and became a person who walked with God. Can you imagine God waited 50 over years? I feel like we can trust the Lord in knowing in, in, in his goodness who actually would repent over time and who wouldn't. Yep. And uh, there is a sweet uh, transacting point between mercy and justice, and God knows that. So... Um, you know, and I, all I wanted to say, encourage our audience this, that our Lord is not slow to execute justice. He's not slow to put a stop to evil. If He continue to forbear and allow evil to permeate it without putting intervention, then He's not really just. But at the same time, He is also slow to anger, abounding in mercy, and even towards the sinner. And so I, I just know that our God desire none to perish. So when he say, I'm going to kill, it's in the context of he desire none to perish. Mm -hmm. But if it's necessary, he will not hesitate to do what is necessary to uh, remove evil, remove wickedness, to remove everything that stands in the way of his love. Amen. So, Brother Daniel, would you pray through this description of Jesus for us? Yeah, because Jesus is the one who is not hesitate, uh, does not hesitate to kill the children of Zezebel who does not repent because God still gives provision that they, if they repent, that this consequence of stopping them will not be executed to them. Therefore, I'm the one who feels safe because I have a God who takes up the issue of justice and put a stop to wickedness. I don't have to put vengeance in my own hand. Uh, and vengeance is his and he shall repay. And my part then is to leave an embodiment of imitation of Christ. It's possible even to love and forgive my enemy, but at the same time knowing that he will truly execute true justice if they do not repent. And because of that, I will ask for greater capacity to love, to love and to forgive. And even the one who spitefully used me and abused me and to ask the Lord to extend mercy and help to those who are against me, who are adversarial towards me, but at the same time knowing that he is a true judge, a just judge that will execute justice in the right moment. And even in his justice is for us to learn righteousness. So Lord Jesus, I see your mercy always triumph over judgment. You always prefer mercy. Thus you always give us warning before you act. I feel your heart towards those who live in defiance towards you, while causing much corruption in your people, your heart towards them, I can feel your pain and your mercy. Yet help me understand the depth of your mercy and patience in the midst of the way that you deal with sinners. 
and your saints. Help me to be a prophetic voice, to speak the truth in love, even when it's very unpopular and very costly. I delight in your beauty every moment of my life. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you will purify your body. You purify my life. You purify my family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you for joining us for this Jesus 360 podcast, devotional guide to the names and descriptions of Jesus given to us by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue on this journey. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy my soul with your love. You satisfy my soul. You satisfy.